right, we're back at it again, part two, cheaper by the dozen. Uh, without further ado, let's get straight into the plot. I was going to say that rhymed, but I forgot if it did or not. I think it did. It let's go with it's rhyming. It wasn't intentional, but it was. So let's just go with it. Sure, fantastic. So there is a plot to this movie, believe it or not. There Surprisingly were, enough. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff beyond the finances uh, of this movie. We did watch it for reasons other than trying to calculate crippling debt. It was also to see what brats mm. Steve Martin's children are. Oh, God, yeah. Ungrateful little goblins. Twelve of them. Can you imagine having twelve Well, little- eleven of them. Only eleven in the film were ungrateful little goblins. Nora's living by herself. That's true. She was still an ungrateful, regular-sized goblin. It's true. Yeah, there we go. Tom Welling, despite the fact that he's probably about six foot four, also an ungrateful little <laughs> goblin. Uh, he could probably you hear that, Tom Welling. Don't call us. <laughs> we hate you. I'm just kidding. I love you. All right. I don't. Now, oh. so we start off this movie in Midtown, Midtown, USA. I don't what a name. That, I don't know if that's a real place. I don't think it is. Let's assume it's not. If anyone lives in Midtown in the United States of America, well. You don't exist to me or to Alex. Too bad for you, because you've been living in a... Lie. So Steve Martin, right? He goes for a jog in the morning. That's how we start the movie. It's a beautiful, you know, classic 2000s music starts off the the film. That's what it is. Uh, It is a film? Yeah, he runs home. Runs home to to Bonnie Hunt. His His loving wife. And I've got to say, this opening scene, very good opening scene. Yeah. I enjoy it very much because he goes for a run, comes home, and, you know, they're having a bit of husband-wife talk. Mm. And out of the corner of the eye, you see their bed kind of lumpy and moving a little bit. It's not something you'd pay attention to. But then, uh, you know, the the banter between the wife and the husband escalates to where he's going to sit on the bed. And, you know, they're saying how lumpy the bed is. And he mm. goes, well, you know what they say about lumps? You can beat them out and starts hitting the... Bed, and as you know, you know if you've got many siblings and a dad, or even if you don't, that's the kind of relationship you've got with young kids and a and parents. Yeah, parents it's, beat their children. Um, is what what I'm is getting, what I'm yes is what I'm getting from that. Is that was that what you're going for? Not quite. Okay. Not quite. I was saying it's 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 a fun little relationship. Okay. It's not until much later that Steve Martin strips them to the waist and starts hitting them with his belt. Right. Okay. Well, but I think those were deleted scenes while they were screaming, "Dad, please no!" Yeah, that was that was cheaper by that I was in uh, three. That's where they're all grown up, but the basement Steve years. Martin, Steve Martin still just runs after them as fully grown adults. That's, uh, that's just a documentary. But obviously, this is the morning, so we have to have breakfast, don't we? And what an ordeal! Breakfast with a house of well, it'd been I guess thirteen at the time. Nora people. was away. So don't forget, don't forget pork and gunner. So technically fifteen. Bear in mind, pork is uh, is dead. Beans, oh, it's beans. <laughs> pork has been dead for a while. But, <laughs> but beans, still, don't forget pork. <laughs> don't forget pork. Forever in our hearts. Never forget. I'm saluting as we speak. Uh, so we have breakfast. I mean, we haven't had breakfast, but they have breakfast. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of hungry, there was a big, big, uh, big old feed. The situation, the political situation in Hungary is pretty tense. Oh, you meant. Okay, sorry. I'll step back from that for a second. Yeah, it's right. We can, we'll talk about the, uh, the turmoil in Eastern Europe a little bit later. So breakfast, it's an ordeal. You know, there's a conveyor belt. There's a big line mm. of people doing jobs, putting bacon in things, putting meats on things, closing up lunches. Everyone's got their job. Yeah. It's a sweatshop. It is. Uh, Steve Martin and his wife are cooking different things as they pass it down the line until they're ready to all sit at the table 
and eat, you know, eggs and bacon and waffles and all that. Yeah. But here's the thing I want to say. Right from the get-go, what this is telling me is that this family functions because of the duo-ship, the mm. duality of Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt mm. and their ability to keep a family tight yeah. with each other. But then the message of the film seems to be that Steve Martin is a dumb man and can't handle running a family. Yeah, I mean, in theory, you're supposed to see, at least from the get-go, that teamwork is supposed to make the dream work. You've got a, you've got a really good partnership between Bonnie Hunt and Steve Martin in this movie. Um, they both seem to pull their weight when it comes to being parents of the family. And look, with, it, with such a large family, obviously, you need to be running that. You need to be good at that. And this shows they've got it down like clockwork. They yeah. know what they're doing until FedEx shows up. Oh, my God. With his frog. I would like to call him Mark, but at the same time, considering how how much of a nuisance he is in this movie, he does not deserve a name. FedEx, what a what a like, I feel bad for him because everyone's making fun of him, but like it's one of those things where he doesn't take control of his frog, so that ruins breakfast, and that's kind of a thing that appears to happen a lot. Yeah, he, him kind of uh, being a black sheep of the family. Mm. But you still kind of feel bad for him. Well, I do. Alex, not so much. Oh, absolutely not. Did you see the amount of structural damage he caused to that kitchen? Oh, yeah. This is this is tax on to our financial point. Yeah. The amount of damage that supposedly Mark caused here, mm. that FedEx caused here. He destroyed the kitchen. He destroyed the kitchen. Glasses, teapots. This seems to be a regular occurrence. Mm. So imagine that bill. It's ridiculous. But anyway, Bonnie what? Hunt and Steve Martin capture that frog. Yeah. Do you think FedEx is going to be paying for it as well? Kid's nine. Kid's nine. He's not doing anything except causing damages. Yeah. Alongside his base cost and his FedEx shipment, he's also causing massive damages. Yeah. So he's upset and everyone's like, good work, FedEx. Mm. Breakfast is ruined. <laughs> they, they all sound like that. Yeah, Every single other one of the children. James, master of a thousand voices, strikes mm. again. That happens, you know, they kind of get breakfast together and then it cuts to them all leaving for school. Yeah. Except now, for the two five-year-olds. Yeah. The two five-year-olds, Nigel and... um. Thornberry, what's the, kid, what's the kid's name? Except for the twins, Carl and Nigel. Yeah. They go to work with dad. Yeah. Or whatever. Steve Martin brings them to work. So, um, yeah. So they all go They all go to work and school, uh, but then Steve Martin gets a call. He does. Shake, Shake, Shake McGuire. Also known as Hot Dog. Hot Dog, the man himself. Shake shows up at Steve Martin's place of work. Yeah. Um, now, to my knowledge, they're not working directly with each other. I think they're still just friends. No, they're point. still best friends. Yeah. Apparently they're best friends. yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. friends from friends from college. Now, Shake shows up and he pulls a godfather on Steve Martin. He shows up and he kind of leans back. He, he doesn't have mumps or anything. He, you can still understand what he's trying to say. He's not Marlon Brando. But he shows up and says, I'm going to give you an offer. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, he's not on his deathbed, though. Thankfully, Shake McGuire is still alive and well. He shows up and says, I, I'm going to give you a deal to coach your dream football team. You know, the, the football team that you were working at. That you Last were coach was just fired. Yeah, last coach was just fired. There's an opening. I'm going to get you that spot. But you've got to work for it. Steve Martin's like, yep, Let's done. do it. Let's do it. This is, this is what he's always wanted. He's given up his life to raise these kids. Mm. His choice, for the most part, and also his choice for not wearing a condom. You dumbass. Yeah. So many unwrapped weenies. And yet, here we are, 12 kids later. And, and one unwrapped weenie offering him a job. Yeah, there hot, he is. Hot dog. Shake hot dog. <laughs> so, he goes home and he talks to his wife about it. Yep. And his wife is like, hey, you should do it. Mm. She, she's supportive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the kids, they have, they listen through the laundry chute. No regard for their parents' privacy. Absolutely not. And you can tell that this has happened before. Uh, Steve Martin 
turns on the washer, you know, turns on the washer and the dryer and everything in the laundry room, which makes noise. Doesn't matter. All the kids are, are wise to their tricks. Because they li- lower lower one of the kids down to yeah. listen. They lower, uh, oh, that's what they do with Mike. That's what Mike does. Mike Wazowski? The kid who we just had no regard for. Oh, yeah, he's the six-year-old. That's what Mike does. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, they get back upstairs, Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt. Mm. And all the kids say very snarkily, when are you going to tell us we were moving? I don't know, kids. He just told his wife. Mm. He just came home from work. Stop being little pricks. Yeah, I feel, okay? like, yeah, I feel like with a with something as, uh, I guess, life-changing as this, you probably want to consult your significant other first. Before talking to the kids who are at maximum 17 years old in the house. Because they don't know any better, kids these days. Yeah, because the, the age difference is kids in primary. Yeah. Well, it's a bit weird because this is, this is America, so they have middle school. Yeah, it's true. But for us, we're just going to take it Australian here. Yeah. That would be kids in primary and kids in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> Bloody oath. So, this would be a perfect time to move, because the kids in high school, yes, it would be a bit difficult for the last two kids to change for their last year of high school. But Mm. the majority of the other kids are either just starting high school, or will be soon. So, if you're going to move, this is a good time to move. Yeah, it seems like it's supposed to be a bit of a transitionary period. And I think that's what Steve Martin kind of frames it as when he's talking to the family. Family doesn't care. They, uh, They get a Christmas photo? What do they? So they, they do take... a Christmas card every year with the whole family. Yeah, and they're all really upset because he's decided then move. They they call him selfish throughout the rest of the film for doing it, basically. Yeah, for following his dream, and it's like, well, they're being selfish too because they want to stay where they are. With let's be honest, this was two thousand and three. Yes, you're not going to stay in contact with any of those people after high school, or pri- even primary school. Steve Martin's wanted this job for ages. You should give it a bit of forethought. I know. So they move. They do. And everyone's yeah. everyone's not happy about it. They arrive in the big house rent-free from Shake. Yeah. And uh, uh, moving and shipping costs free as well. Which must have cost a pretty penny. Yeah. But FedEx must have been so happy about that because he's like, finally, people can get off my back. I don't cost a damn cent for this move. But he's actually very upset because he has to leave pork. That is true. Uh, yeah. In the arms of... Let's just insert the real song there. I just wanted to do sure. that for you. Now, um, now, bear in mind as well, when we say pork, we do actually mean pork because pork was buried out the back in Midtown. Yeah, uh, Beans, being the son, yeah, of pork. Son, son of the pork, um, has decided to hop onto the new place with Mark. Beans Porkson. Yeah, Beans Porkson. So, yeah, they arrive in the new place and he's like, okay, pick a room. Yep. And they all run off. Mark gets kicked out of multiple rooms and Mark gets a, frankly, wonderful room. Oh, yeah, At the, sure. like, very top of this... Basically, from the architecture, it looks like a turret of a tower. Yeah. And oh, he's absolutely going to have... He's going to set up defensive capabilities in this house. Whether or not it be anti-air artillery, could be one of those. He could get... Uh, he I agree. Could, he could get a nuclear solo installed into the top of that turret. Um, and then be, everyone would finally fear Mark. It, yeah, and rightly so. That's what happens when you, uh, when you anger a ginger. They nuke you. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a hard fact. You I come read to this about podcast that. for hard facts, and you got that hard fact. There you go. Rock solid foundations. Don't anger ginger people. So That's we're just going to take a step back here, because what happens basically next is Steve Martin goes to his job. Yeah. Bonnie Hunt gets an offer for her book. Mm. and Steve she, Martin has an interview as well. Steve Martin has an interview. 
that that goes fine. Yeah. Book goes fine. That all goes fine until Bonnie Hunt leaves and Steve Martin has to take over. But I want to take a step back here. Sure. And take a look at the way Steve Martin is presented. Okay. They arrive at the house. He gets a call for a TV interview. Answers the call. Says he'll be over. Yeah. Gets dressed. Leaves. So this is the first 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 day. day. Yeah. You know, leaves for the interview. Comes back late at night. And Bonnie Hunt says he hasn't been home much. It's literally been a single day. The timeline of this movie is a brief couple days mm. before Bonnie Hunt leaves. And yet it's acted like he's a typical Disney dad, like Tim Allen and the Shaggy Dog, abandoning yeah. his family consistently. He's not. It's a couple days as he's getting settled into his new job. Yeah, that is the really strange part there. It does seem as though there's such a quick turnaround on them arriving and him, you know, having some pretty decent success with his job straight away. And yet they instantly go from thinking, all right, this is an exciting new move to all of a sudden, oh crap. All right, well, Steve Martin's abandoned his family. It is it is a very, very quick shift there. Even for a family, uh, or even for the children, I guess, who might've already had a pretty quick, pretty itchy trigger finger to, to you know, shoot the blame gun at uh, Steve Martin there. Yeah, exactly. Rapid fire. I mean, look, there are 11 kids with guns, like running around the place. Yeah. Blame, 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 That's the blame gun. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to war, but uh, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. As you know, I'm a man of a thousand voices. And yeah. I can also do sound effects. Well, and we, we, you heard it here first. So yeah, point the blame gun, they shoot it, but it's unfair, in our opinion. Yeah. Throughout the entire film, Steve Martin's just trying to do his best. He hadn't even put on his, uh, his Kevlar blame vest, so... And he had, didn't even have time to. He hadn't even been there for more than a day. No. And, and he's supportive of his wife. Mm. If, if you're looking at it purely mercenary, yeah, she, she has more of a right to take, you know, get, go on a book tour mm. than Steve Martin does for, you know, his, uh, his dream job of coaching the t- Tigers or whatever. I don't know what they're called. Go Tigers. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, but... Why is he getting all the blame and Bonnie Hunt getting none of the blame? She was just as much part of this move as he was. She is also leaving the family to go on a book tour. Mm. But somehow she comes across as a saint throughout all of this. The only one that can wrangle all these kids. That's true. Yeah, and the kids especially uh, make that abundantly clear to Steve Martin. Because, now, look, obviously, Bonnie Hunt leaves, alright? Now, Steve Martin decides, oh, perfect, you know, I can now frame this as... They, the kids can do whatever they want. Kids don't buy any of it. They, they don't care at all. Then Steve Martin tries to bring over Nora and Ashton Kutcher, which yep. they've talked to before. Yeah, they have. Just before Body Hunt left. Mm-hmm. They had a little chat with them about helping around around the house. Mm-hmm. And their only demand was getting to sleep in the same room. Bon to Hunt. take each other to Pound Town. Then Nora and Ashton Kutcher come over to help mm-hmm. take care of the kids. The kids aren't having any of this. They hate Ashton Kutcher. So they devise a plan. They knew that he was going to be in Get Two and a Half Men. They did. Yeah. They, they saw the future. They did. That's so Raven style. <laughs> but here's the thing. Steve Martin's trying his best. He's trying to get people in, but they sabotage it at every turn. Mm. Why is he to blame throughout all of this film? You're supposed to be like, oh, he's not caring about his family. No, he's caring about his family. They're in debt. They're being dicks. He's trying to do his dream job. Sometimes, so- yeah, you got to bring in outside help. So yeah, the kids, they dunk Ashton Kutcher into a pool. They do. So then his clothes have to go in the dryer. Mm-hmm. So they take his underpants and instead of what I would do, if I was to do it, soak these underpants in maybe 500 kilos of... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Soak his, under... soak his underpants in 500 grams of mints. Yeah. Just one, one Just small the, packet. Just the most scant amount. Mm. The barest amount. 
Instead, they get a giant metal uh, tub. Yeah, dare I say almost a barrel. This a thing is, is... Barrel-esque. Colossal. A voluptuous metal barrel. And fill it... Ooh. And fill it with as much meat as they possibly can mm. to the brim. And they get a stick and push the underwear down. Just colossal overkill. Colossal waste of money. But I mean, look, it's got to be said, the kids definitely did not learn moderation from their parents because there are 12 children. Uh, therefore, there is probably more meat in that barrel than could ever even be fathomed uh, by a human mind. Yeah, they, they took their stuffing meat abilities from Steve Martin. Then Ashton Kutcher leaves after being attacked by the entirety of the neighbourhood's dogs, which numbers in the millions. <laughs> just, D- dare I say, trillions. They just swarm. There's yeah. so many of them for the number of houses there are. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever seen World War Z. Um, I know that that movie did come out a lot later than Cheaper by the Dozen. Doesn't mean you still couldn't have seen the movie. There are a lot of zombies in that movie. They kind of turn almost liquid with how many there are and how fast they travel and try to clamber over the what top of What we're saying is World War Z copied Cheaper by the Dozen's dog scene. Oh yeah, for sure. That's exactly what I was getting to. So they leave and Steve Martin's left alone once again. Yeah. So we can see, long story short, the family is objectively self-destructive. They don't care what Steve Martin has to say. They're like, you know what? We're just going to cause, we're going to sow chaos and there's nothing that can stop them. And how would you stop 11 to 12 children from just going batshit crazy? You can't. You cannot do that. So then Steve Martin, so he then's like, okay, I can't get Nora and Ashton Kutcher. Mm. I need to get some nannies. And so there's a little montage of him calling nannies up yeah. and then hanging up on him for having 11 kids. He says 12 kids. He doesn't have 12 kids. He's got 11. He says every single time he's got 12 kids. Occasionally he mixes it up and says, oh, I've, I've got two kids. Oh, I mean, there's also another 10. Ha ha, ha ha. Classic. But he's got and then, yeah, 11 and children who he actually needs to take care of. Yeah. And then at the end, he, he brings someone. It, it caps out. The scene ends with him ringing an agency mm. and then him going... I'll just hang up on myself. Yeah. I just hangs up on himself. It's pretty funny. It's pretty... It, admittedly, it got a little... <laughs> out of me. So, after all this... Mm. You know, all his failures... You know, trying to get these kids uh, in line... Trying to get Ashton Kutcher and Nora to take care of them... Trying to keep them... From getting into trouble. Nothing's coming up, Steve Martin. Nothing's, nothing's coming up, Steve Martin. Exactly. So... Then the newspapers start reporting... You know, can coach coach two teams? Mm. They're they're slamming him because you know he's dividing his attention at the games uh, to his children, and you can see through the montages his children coming to support him at the games become less and less. Yeah, as uh, he's trying his absolute best. I want to make this very clear: Steve Martin is trying his absolute best, and his kids won't participate in that. They won't do a single thing to help. They are acting like selfish brats and they need to fuck. He's having trouble and everyone's picking up on it. Yeah. The whole the whole town's on his back. So I think everyone just needs to stand up. Just start take, taking a couple of steps back, alright? A couple of steps back. Just get all the way off Steve Martin's back, alright? Is can't, that so much to ask? He's an old man. He is. His back Have you seen his hair? His, I can. Yeah. That conveys that his spine is not able to carry the weight of not only his 11 children, mm. but the entire town. It's ridiculous. Meanwhile, his wife gallivanting across America, doing a new book tour about how what a happy family her and Steve Martin have. 
Hmm. You know, every time ringing up, chastising Steve Martin for not doing a good enough job. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you took care of the kids while Steve Martin was at work for some of the day. But Steve Martin, you know, was there at the start of the day and at the end of the day. It's not like you were single parenting for the, you know, month that Hmm. she's gone. And yet everyone seems to be like, oh, Steve, you can't do this. It's a mum's job to do this. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's what we kind of see. And I know that we said this earlier. That's where we kind of see the line begin to blur a little bit. It was a, it was a weird dichotomy between if it is just going to be a criticism of single parenting or single fathering. We don't know. I, I'd, 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 I'd err on the side of caution and say it's probably going to be just one of single parenting. But I feel like there's a bit of, a, a bit of an argument for both sides. Yeah, because then it further muddies the waters because just to skip ahead for a little bit, if that's okay with you, audience, skip ahead to the end. Steve Martin gives up his job. He does. To take over from his wife. Uh, so it's not like, haha, dads can't do a parenting role. But then also in this middle section of the film, it's haha, dads can't do a parenting role. It's like they're skirting around there, tiptoeing around it without explicitly making fun of men. They're walking on hot coals. They're working on hot coals. And it's like, <sighs> and, then, and you know what? It's sexist to both men and women. You know, it's saying men can't take care of kids. Then implicitly it's saying that women, you should not leave your family and make sure the kids are taken care of. Yeah. Choose a side, Cheap by the Dozen, 2003. Choose a side. I think I'm ready to make it a judgment. This movie is cowardice in disc form. Well, there we go. You heard it here first. Whenever you look up cowardice, but then brackets DVD, close brackets, Cheap by the Dozen, it's brackets right 2003, close right brackets. There. We'll be right at the top. Steve Martin's Shining pearly whites will be up there to greet you. Um, speaking of speaking of Steve Martin, I mean, as we have been for the last however long, we see Steve Martin decides, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna perform a bit of a galaxy brain maneuver here. Galaxy brain time. Yeah, here we go. This is where his brain begins to expand. He decides, if I can't coach two teams at once, I'm gonna bring the two teams together and make them one big team. Yeah, that's gonna be a big big team. That's a lot of people on one team. So he brings the whole football team back to his place and he decides look no one can perform their goddamn role in this family and i can't get any of my work done without somebody being on my back get the hell off my back i'm bringing the football team to you guys and he does yeah because i want to make clear as well when when we said the whole town was on his back it's because he's also making the college team lose football games yeah they're not winning currently they're not he's winning. not winning at anything they've won they've won a couple but uh it's, not enough yeah not enough to be considered you, you see know, the score this, yeah they're just slightly behind yeah showing the audience that you know if steve martin put a little bit more effort into one side he'd be able to come out on top but he can't because he's got work and a family of 11 children cut him a break please it gets a little bit excessive but they kind of convey that all through a montage as well, which is really strange. It's all really happy music, but you can see that the family's kind of fallen apart a little bit. So yeah. obviously the intervention occurs and the football team arrives. Uh, eventually he ends up just grounding the family as well. He's like, look, people are being, this is getting out of hand. The whole, the whole family's gone crazy, essentially. Yeah, because what we haven't mentioned is the movie sometimes cuts to them at school. Yeah, and they do go to school. They do go to school. They're not hicks. No. They, you know, we talked about Hilary Duff and uh, 17-year-old, I can't remember the name of right now. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie and Hilary Duff go to high school. They do. Hilary Duff, we don't really see her have a problem. 
No, she doesn't really... She seems to be fine. She seems to be kind of enjoying the new life because, you know, she gets new clothes with the new money and things like that. That's what she cares about. Yeah. Charlie, on the other hand, left his girlfriend behind. We talked about that. And he gets bullied. Mm. Corn in the locker, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he ditches high school at one point. Yeah, he bounces. He, he bounces. He quits the football team. He leaves the new place as well. Goes D- back to Midtown. Yeah, and dad, and he's and he's like, I'm not going to college. Yeah. And Steve Martin very sensibly says, you need to go to college. You don't have any career prospects otherwise. Yeah. It's not like he has a traineeship somewhere mm. or anything like that. He, he just doesn't have any future. So it's very sensible. And yet he roasts his dad. Mm. And later they make up and he says sorry and his dad says, no, no, you were right. And like, no, I don't think Steve Martin was being selfish, which is what Charlie says to him. Yeah. You're being selfish. No, I don't think he is. But anyway, the other Shut kid... Up, Superman. Stupid Superman, man. Dumb super, Superman. He can't do anything. Super Superman. More like not Superman. Couldn't even fly. Am I Remember right? Remember that? Did you ever see Smallville? No, I didn't see Smallville. Couldn't even fly. This is now Smallville exclusive podcast. Yeah. Why? What was it before? He couldn't even fly. That's, that's Why the couldn't point he I'm fly? Because he was stupid. Because have you seen have you seen Charlie in Cheaper by the Dozen two thousand three? He's stupid. It's because he didn't have a college degree. Yeah, because he was a hick. Yeah, that's that's why. Yuck! <laughs> that's. Oh, I felt a little bit sick there. <laughs> um, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't fly. But anyway, didn't mo- matter. Moving on from uh, episode one of our Smallville podcast. Yeah. Uh, the other kids. All... I-, I hope you enjoyed the episode. That's it. <laughs> Tune in next time for no more. Yeah. The are the other kids. They get into fights at school themselves yeah. because they're picking... These two comical bullies <laughs> are picking on Mark. One with an upside-down visor. Uh, and they, they both carry lattes. Uh, they're like 11? Oh, yeah. If, yeah, like 10. It's ridic- 10, 11. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's for such a weirdly grounded film. Like, obviously the premise, it's ridiculous mm. in, the, in the modern age. Like, it's just not feasible monetarily. But you're, you're removing yourself from reality a bit. You're taking away the monetary value. You're taking away, you know, the logistics of it. We sure as hell didn't. We sure as hell didn't, but the movie is. Yeah. But then these characters come up and they're just downright goofy, yeah. which which is doesn't feel right for the film. They're a step away from being anthropomorphic dogs. That's how freaking goofy they are. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. You... That's not goofy. <laughs> Got that completely. That's very Halloween, though. Um... <laughs> They're basically Goofy and Pluto right there. Yeah. Huge, just dogs. Just huge. Huge dogs. Uh, they both come up and pick a fight with Mark again. Now, what they didn't realise is that they were surrounded by an entire army of Baker children. Their lattes get knocked out of their hands. One kid screams, My latte! Uh, which is how you know that they had lattes in their hands. I um, wouldn't be able to tell otherwise. I, God knows. I, I blind as a bat when it comes to coffee and other... I thought it was oil. Yeah. I thought... Because you know, you know the... You know the uh, the mathematics, you know, the nutritional value if you drink some gasoline. Mm. You know, you've got enough calories to last you the rest of your life. It's true. I thought these kids were taking a forward-thinking approach. And mad respect to um, Goofy and Pluto for it. It's, it's, it's a shame that they didn't They weren't that. drinking yeah. gasoline. Uh, because one, would have given them enough calories for the rest of their life because they would have died the next second mm. and stopped bullying Mark. But anyway, they get taken to Pound Town. Not the Pound Town that Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt go to, but the other On the Pound regular. Town. The Hurt Locker. <laughs> yeah, the Hurt Locker. They actually get taken out to a war zone uh, and Jeremy Renner shows up in a bomb disposal unit suit uh, and then uh, knocks out the lattes from the hand. So, screw you, Jeremy Renner. So, they get into a fight. Steve Martin comes to school late. Yeah. They're in the office and then he grounds them. He does. Everyone gets grounded. Uh, Beans, meanwhile, uh, is is the next door neighbour or one of the nearby neighbours. Beans, um, the kid, not the frog. Yeah. Beans is living in the house, the frog. 
Beans, the next door neighbor kid. Beans, as we established. Yeah, even Stephen Beans. Kid. Beans with yeah. a Z. You try, can, try and emphasize it. Try and keep up, kids. So Beans Zzz. is having a birthday party. Yes. All right. Beans is turning, I don't know, freaking an age. Sure, he could, twenty-five probably. And maybe he'll get a chin. Maybe he will. Uh, there I, goes our theme continuing of uh, characters without chins. Yeah. The not, 2000- talking about, not talking about spineless ones, chinless. We're talking, you know, the 2000s, marvellous time mm. for those without chins. Yeah. It was the heyday. Uh, that's, that's what they called it. The golden you, age of chinless. If you didn't have a chin, get in a time machine and hop back there. You'd be yeah. loved. Oh, absolutely. But they all get grounded, so they can't go to Beans' uh, birthday party. They can't do it. Uh, but Sarah Baker decides there's another the way. The troublemaker. Sarah Baker, the troublemaker. Uh, oh, heartbreaker, dream. Uh, no, she's she's twelve, isn't she? Let's not call her a heartbreaker just yet. That's troubling implications. Well, that's true. But look, with when Beans is out with uh with zero chin, boy oh boy, the entire family comes flocking. Not just Sarah, all of them ran over there for it's for true. a sweet it's... piece of that Beans pie. Uh, <laughs> they, they all ran over there. Mark, so look, they all bring their presents, right? Because they'd already purchased presents before they were granted. Mark, obviously. Buys a basically, I believe it was some form of python. Yeah, he orders a live python with what money? How? How was this allowed? How did he hide it? How did he transport it? Mark, how did no one find out about yeah, it? What the hell are you doing, Mark? And they managed to get the presents and sneak them all out of the house while Steve Martin is coaching the football team. Yeah, so they arrive, and Beans is very happy to see them because it's the only fun he has in his sad little life. <laughs> yeah, uh, the mum not happy to see them. The dad, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Cameron, great character as always, just happy to be there. Just happy to be, just happy to be dead. Just happy that he got laid once and has a kid. That's true. So he doesn't have to live with his wife. It's basically boomer humor. Mm. That bit. It's like, haha, I hate my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I hate my wife and my life. Uh, That's what they say. Then the party happens. Yeah. It's fun. Beans gets uh, thrown around a bit. Mm. He's having a bit of fun. Snake gets loose. Everyone starts screaming. Steve Martin, one of the best scenes of the film, I think. Oh yeah. Steve Martin realizes they're over there. Yeah. And sends the football team over. So you see all the people running out of the the party screaming, and the entire football team running in, going hut 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 (laughs) in line. Yeah. Like Abbey Road style, just in perfect unison, straight across the road, because they're there for a mission. They know. Look, Tom Baker. He's there. Uh, Steve Martin. Sorry, I've confused the names. Identical people. Steve Martin, obviously the more superior in this weird symbiotic being. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Steve Martin takes control. Uh, so Steve Martin runs across the road. Yeah, that was actually in the deleted scenes. There's whole scenes of Steve Martin alone in bed at night, talking to himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, t- head whipping side <laughs> to side. Uh, until it finally spins around and Steve Martin takes complete control. But... Look, that entire scene ends with the football team catching all of the kids. They grab them all. Because uh, they all fly off a bouncy castle. They do, yeah. A uh, bouncy castle explodes uh, from, you know, various hijinks. Uh, Steve, and Martin Steve Martin launched far into the air, lands right on beans. With, uh, with O Fortuna, I believe, playing in the background yes. as well. Uh, just, I mean, if you can imagine Steve Martin flying through the sky uh, with O Fortuna just blaring in the background... Trying to land, not trying to, obviously, I hope not. Trying to land, let's say, on beans. Uh, it's such an incredibly 
Epic. Vi- I was going to say Epic visceral C. as well. You it's- know, Portals, mm. Endgame. Ten years of Marvel Cinematic Universe has nothing on this moment. Oh, God, no. But long story short, Beans has every bone in his body broken. Oh, absolutely. And he says it was the best birthday party he's ever had. Yeah. So that's... Because it's going to be his last. <laughs> that's one of the last times we see Beans. Mm. Except for at the end where he is miraculously healed and goes out to help look for... Oh, yeah, true. He does. Yeah. And straight after this, obviously, everything keeps going wrong for this old family. Um, to the point where they all call up, you know, Bonnie Hunt. It, everything keeps devolving from here. It's it's already been on a downward spiral. It keeps the kids, getting worse. You know, you see them... Uh, they go from normal to cavemen mm. to lizards slime. to protozoa to slime. Yeah. Uh, it ju- at the end, it's just like slime rolling around because it's devolved so much. It is. Uh, I, well, I mean, yeah, that, that's the end of the movie. They just turn into slime. It's it's a tragedy, really. Steve Martin, yeah. uh, the last 20 minutes of him weeping on the floor <laughs> over his slimified children. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the movie continues in his own mind uh, for the sake of the rest of our podcast. Bonnie Hunt comes home, right? Because by this stage, the kids have already explained to uh, their mum, dad can't do it. He just cannot do it. Because so, he, he hasn't told his wife. Yeah. He wants his wife to do he's, the full He's hiding job. a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So his wife, instead of doing a thing with Oprah, calls Oprah to her house. Mm. So Oprah's going to do a thing on our big happy family. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have the budget for Oprah. Or at least, look, that's that's... From a financial standpoint, they didn't have the budget for Oprah on the movie, so they're like, "Look, we can't, uh, we can't finagle this." I Obviously, choose to believe that Oprah, if they had the financial, like she was ready to do it, she was at the door, yeah, just waiting for cash in hand, and they couldn't materialize it. And then Dax Shepard decides, you know what? Actually, they're not a happy family. Oprah, you can stay outside. And Oprah's like, like Dax Shepard has never been in a family before, with you know the occasional infighting, especially with the thirteen people there. Yeah. Also, as if Dax Shepard has. Any power over what Oprah can and cannot do. Yeah, he's a cameraman. It's he's fired for making that sort of judgment call. It's Oprah. It's fi- it's Oprah. She what can do hell? what she wants. She's Oprah. Yeah, she can give people cars with tax on them. Yeah, <laughs> and she can ruin their livelihoods. Dax Shepard, go back to making bad films. Yeah, you goddamn jerk. Stop judging this family, and I'll stop judging yours. Hey, but, I'm sh- but Chips was really, really good. <laughs> It really wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Don't, don't go watch that movie. Don't it's go watch that movie. It's really, really bad. Really bad. Michael Pena, I really like you as an actor, but uh, Dax Shepard, you really you kind know, of brought down his career. Uh, Michael Pena, you're not a ladies' man, so don't, don't try that. <laughs> Ant-Man was a really good movie. Anyway, so we we have to, you know, wrap this one up as well. Uh, there's a nice little neat bow at the end Unlike of this movie. Unlike Steve Martin. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. But yeah, uh, whether getting ready for Oprah. Yeah. Beans dies. Cocks it. Beans just... You see the frog just, like, slowly dying. Yeah. And Mark then says, dies. Please don't die, Beans! And then Beans dies. It's like, that's gonna do anything, you dumb kid. Yeah. And Mark's like, God damn it, Beans is dead. Um, you know, it, it tells the family. The family doesn't care. The family is in absolute uh, it, Like, they're in the middle of something. Yes, it's sad, you know, but they're in the middle of something and you've picked the worst time to tell them. Yeah. So Mark runs away. He does. As fast as his little ginger legs can carry him. So... Mark just decides to disappear. Uh, no one knows where he's gone. They all send out the search party. Beans reprises his role as Beans. Beans will return, and he does. Yeah. Along with his Later father. In the movie. <laughs> uh, much to the chagrin of his wife, who yeah. says, this is basically deserved. 
Okay, you absolute bitch. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it's right. The, 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 the police will handle it. The police will be fine. Like, she's basically... I told you this would happen. Yeah. Like, and it's like... She's Shut been, up. She's been catty <laughs> up to this point. But she went into full-blown, just like, unlikable bitch mode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was horrible. It was horrible. So, thankfully, Cameron... Uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, Cameron, is like, you know what? We're going to help them. And everyone's like... Woo! Yes, yes Cameron... And they, you know what? And fair enough. Uh, I always liked his character, uh, and I'm glad to see that he hasn't changed. Um, although he's not trying to drown himself in a pool this movie, um, which is a nice change of pace. Yeah, exactly. Turns out Mark is trying to FedEx himself to Midtown. Well, you're forgetting one important thing. Oh no! Nora breaks no- up with Ashton Kutcher. That's true. Because he is too busy watching himself on screen yeah. to help look for Mark. Hmm. Then Nora realizes, oh yeah, he's dumb as a bag of rocks and also he's selfish. Yeah. I've got to look for my family. So Steve Martin is like, is it because of the family? And she was like, yeah, it's because of the family, but in a did, nice way. Yeah. But did we cause you to break up? And she's like, absolutely. And it's like, you know what? Fair enough. If if I had a boyfriend that wouldn't help me look for my lost brother, I would break up with him too. Oh yeah, for sure. And so Nora, pretty level-headed. Good on her. Good on you, Nora. Let's, hey, round of applause for Nora. Steve Martin realizes, because he's not a, he's not actually a bad father after all. Mm. That Mark is going home to bury pork and beans together. Yeah. <laughs> pork and beans. That's probably what Mark was singing to himself the whole way to uh, the, yeah. the the train station. The only thing on his uh, iPod. Yeah. iPods went around then. Oh, two thousand three. Surely, just like the original iPod, I would have. Give seen. us a second. Okay, so yeah. There we go. But I mean, look, this is this is a family of 12 we're talking about, and this is Mark we're talking about. There is no way in hell he's got an iPod. Maybe he's got a Sony Walkman. Oh, yeah, he's got so a Mark Zo- on he's his got Sony- a Zune. Yeah, Mark on his Zune <laughs> is listening to Pork and Beans by Weezer, which I don't think was out yet <laughs> Absolutely for another, not. like, for about eight a decade. Yeah. yeah. But somehow, he managed to get his hands on it. Yeah. And... Steve Martin and him sit on an Amtrak train. Yeah. Now, to go back I don't think Steve Martin really wanted to get on the train because uh, the train leaves. He looks he... despondent that it leaves. <laughs> so obviously along the way, he calls up his family. So they all meet at Midtown. Yeah. And they all bury pork and beans together. Back at the new house though. No, they buried them at the old... They buried in Midtown, didn't they? Is it the old house? I'm pretty sure they buried pork and beans together at Midtown. Okay. I'm almost certain of that. Okay. I could have sworn it was in the front yard of the No, place. they wouldn't dig up a frog to bring back. That's just a bit <laughs> just, too weird. They just, just bring a skeleton. <laughs> All right. I, either way, regardless of the... situation the, is resolved. Yeah, the situation is resolved regardless of the potential necromantic undertones of bringing pork back to the new place uh, for a potential Halloween sequel where... Yeah, there was a really weird alternate ending where Mark used the souls and blood of his family to facilitate... A necromantic rise in frogs. Yeah. And the last shot of the film was this very long shot of him in a throne room stroking a skeletal frog. I'm glad they changed that ending due to test audiences finding that a bit weird. And then Life is a Highway started playing. And then everyone's like, ah, that was just a classic classic (laughs) family movie. Classic gag. (laughs) Wow. There we go. So yeah. They come home. Steve Martin resigns. He does. Hot Dog says, you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. So he resigns. The book comes out. 
he's with his family, and everyone's happy. Yeah. And that's the, that's the story. And then the light falls. The light falls again, which yeah. it has been over the course of the entire film because uh, Newman, Dennis Nedry... Consistently just keeps getting killed by this light. Yeah. He keeps uh, coming back, Mark probably raising him from the dead. Uh, that necromantic monster. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cheaper by the dozen. Scene. They move houses. He, uh, Steve Martin tries his best. He fails. Mark runs away, they find him, people reconnect as a family. Yeah. Very simple. Very simple, somewhat heartwarming, more frustrating than not. As we also said, not driven by characters, only kind of momentum is the plot. My final verdicts on this film, you know, I'm going to say you don't need to watch this again. There's nothing really new or exciting or fun that is going to make you laugh or cry or weep or sing mm. or jump or swim, or any sort of physical exercise. You're going to just kind of sit there, blank stare, on your phone for most of it if you watch it again. It's it's not worth a rewatch. It's mm. a decent film, but one that's left better in memory, I think. I want to say it's definitely worth taking another look at. I disagree. And... Okay. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> say that end it there. <laughs> say it again. I'll All right. interrupt you. All right. So, I, I do want to say that it's... Worth taking another look at. It depends on it depends on when you'd seen it last. Alright, I do wanna I do wanna preface my opinion by saying that I am glad that I watched it again. Obviously the movie itself came out, at least from this year, about sixteen years ago. Were people to have seen it back when they were a child, I think people would have a very different perspective as to who is in the right. I think the most important part that I I got out of this was the fact that there was a significant transition in whose side I was on from when I watched it as a kid compared to when I watch it now as an adult. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, so I think for the sake of curiosity, I think it's important, or not necessarily necessary or paramount, but I think it's, I think it's definitely interesting to take another look at it with that time skip in mind. Uh, so you can actually see once and for all, do you side with the devils incarnate that are Steve Martin's children? Or do you side with the, uh, the man who's just trying his goddamn best? The Necromancer King or Steve Martin? Yeah. That's your real choices. Yeah. But yeah, I see your point there. But still, decent film. Not in any way bad, but also not in any way exceptional. Mm. How do we want to end this? End. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's one thing we can all take away from Cheaper by the Dozen. Absolutely. And that is the absolutely horrifyingly bone-chilling, blood-curdling idea of college tuition for 12 children. Okay, both of those in. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs>